great Odin's raven. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. This is uh, this is ridiculous. Okay, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. With, I'll go. Hello and welcome to the FilmPulse.net podcast, episode number 42. My name is Adam. Today I'm joined by Kevin. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing all right. Doing all right? Okay. Yeah. This week, uh, this week we'll be reviewing Ang Lee's Life of Pi. We also will be highlighting some Amazon Blu-ray deals, making our weekly movie predictions, and finally we'll be going over this week's DVD and Blu-ray releases. First, let's kick things off with some of what we've been watching. Kevin, we'll start it with you this week. What have you been watching? Uh, well, I start the week off with Rome Open City by Roberto Rossellini. Part of it, well, the first film of his war trilogy from the 40s. This is one of those uh, films that I get to watch on Hulu. Mm. That was their mm-hmm. thing that week. It was World War II. So this is a you know, World War II resistance movie. And I have to say it was pretty damn good, especially given the the time frame, 1945 it was made in. Yeah. It's got some really nice camera work. And also, and I, I mean, I don't know with other films if it's been used before or how often it's been used around this time, but there was a decent amount of, as I could tell, it looked like handheld camera work, mm. which I have to say looked pretty damn amazing for the 40s. Definitely check that out, you know. Definitely, of course, if you're into, you know, World War II movies. And this is, you know, a different take on it, you know, the Italian view. And I think, it, right. I think, I can't remember exactly, but I think it was made like just a couple months after they were liberated. Yeah, so, I mean, 45, that's... Yeah, it's like right after. So, you know, yeah, it's a pretty damn good movie. Now I got to watch the other two. And I don't know when that's going to happen. Hopefully soon. But definitely recommend that one. And then another movie, which was a huge surprise and just awesome as shit, is Francis Ford Coppola's The Conversation. Now, this is a movie I've always wanted to see, but just never got around to it. This is like one of my list of shame movies. Same here. Same here. I've been wanting to watch this forever because, number one, I like Coppola. Two, I love Gene Hackman. And three, it's got uh, John Cazale in it, who's awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, this is essentially like Blow Up, the Antonioni film, but with surveillance experts and like wiretapping and everything. Yeah. So it's probably, it'll probably remind you a lot of Blow Out, mm-hmm. the movie with John Travolta. But my favorite thing about the conversation is Gene Hackman plays this like surveillance expert and he has this job where he has to, you know, record the conversation of this couple that are walking around up, you know, it's like a park square. So he does this whole elaborate thing to record everything. And when he's playing back the tapes and stuff and listening to them and, you know, trying to get the levels right, they still show the footage, you know, Coppola's filming of the couple walking around the the, uh, the square. And just yeah. the way it's done is amazing. The editing and the shooting and everything is just fantastic. Because I, I mean, for the most part of the film, he just keeps replaying the same stuff over and over again. But they keep just adding a little bit to it each time, and then finally at the end, it all sort of comes together for you. I'm definitely gonna watch that this week. And I don't do it. And I don't know what it is, but '70s films feel like pure film to me, like pure movies. 
I don't know why, but yeah. anytime I watch a film from the 70s, it just feels like a movie movie to me. Well, probably because during the 70s, during the time of Coppola and Spielberg and Lucas and, you know, all the the big, a lot of these big name actors were coming up. I mean, there was a fundamental change in cinema in the 70s. Yeah. And I think that's probably why you feel that way. Because I do too. Like, the, everything changed in the 70s. Yeah, it just, it feels like the apex of film. And Gene Hackman is amazing in it. Is he never not amazing? No, hardly. But it's also crazy to think, you know, in the 70s, Gene Hackman was a, a leading man. Mm-hmm. And when you see him in this film, you're thinking, like, oh, there's no way that that guy would be a leading man nowadays. Well, it's like they just didn't give a fuck back then. <laughs> it's just whoever the good actor was, they were the leading man. Yeah. He gives a shit about looks. Well, now we have Taylor Lautner and Robert Pattinson and all kinds of great up-and-comers. Oh, yeah. I can't wait until they remake this with Taylor Lautner. (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) It's going to be perfect. Uh, Or maybe Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, well... Shia LaBeouf. I actually think he's he's a decent actor. Yeah, he's a lot better than Lautner. We should clear the air there. Yeah. Can at least act a little bit. Um, what else? 127 hours. Finally got around to watching this. I thought I could have sworn you've seen this before. You didn't see it when it came out. I did not see it when it came out because, to be quite honest, wasn't interested. Wasn't interested at all in the story. I don't know. Call me cold, but but uh, whatever. Okay, you were out hiking. You got stuck behind a rock. That's what happens. You had a good run. You know, he cuts his arm off and escapes and all that. And I feel like this movie did not give me anything. I knew just as much after reading the headline of the story when it first broke as I do after watching the film. I'm just like, yeah, that's exactly what I imagined how it would be. I remember when this came out and everybody was like creaming their pants over it. And I felt the same way you did where I was just like... What's a big fucking deal? But then uh, I saw it and it was fine. But like you said, I I didn't learn anything from it. I mean, it was interesting to see, you know, this how that he survived and stuff. But yeah, I I found the dream sequences or hallucinations or whatever they were to be trite. I guess. Yeah, just a bit. I mean, and that was one of my main things. Like that's all you thought about. And the five days that you were stuck, like, that's all the reflection that you did? Yeah. Like, Jesus, I reflect more in one day. (laughs) We're reflecting more right now. Yeah. Jesus, I'm in a constant state of reflection. And he's just thinking about, like, oh, parents, I wish I answered the phone more. (laughs) And, like, you know, his girlfriend that I guess they broke up a little bit before he went on this excursion. And then never talked about it again. Like, what happened afterwards? Did you, like, go and try and get back with her? I realized that you got married a couple years later and had a kid. But, I, I mean, I don't know. It just wasn't that enthralling to me. It, was, it, was, it played out exactly the way I thought it would. Yeah, yeah. Like, my imagination came up with the same thing. And it was like I was just re-watching what I already thought. It is, it, I mean, it is a pretty harrowing story. And it, it is a very... 
uh, captivating story, I guess. But at the same time, I didn't feel like it needed to be a two-hour-long no. movie. And for me, it felt more like um, almost like a marketing tool for the book. Like, oh, yeah. if you want to know some of the other stuff, you're going to have to read the book. I'm like, I don't want to fucking read the book. That's why I watched the movie. <laughs> I don't want to waste my time with a book. <laughs> yeah, words and shit. Come on. But also, I hate, I just want to put throw this out there. I hate Danny Boyle's use of tilted camera angles. I know you've... Uh, fucking hate it. So terrible. talked terrib- about that before. I just, I, I hate it, you know, where he's like riding around on his bike and stuff. And the the camera's tilted for like no reason. It's just like him whizzing by, and I'm like, why? Why do you have the camera tilted? Is it supposed I, to make it like more frenetic? I guess it never really bothered me. I don't know. I like Danny Boyle's visual style, though, so I'm pretty forgiving of the things that he does. All right, what else you got? Also saw Rust and Bone and Holy Motors, but I also know that you saw those as well. So we can just talk about this when we get to yours. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. And then other other than that, the only other thing I want to mention, uh, you know, we talked about it before, the Hulu Criterions that you can watch. Mm-hmm. They have they have a double one here right now. It's Food on Film and Super Cuts. And Ooh. you can watch you can watch Racerhead, uh Fanny and Alexander, Daisies, Janine Dealman. You can watch an Eric Romer movie, a Godard movie. There's so much on there right now. Is, is that all you got? That's all I got. Uh, I had a pretty big week despite my moving. Um, first up, I saw, well, started off pretty low. Saw a movie called Basket Case. Basket This is a case. 80s horror movie. I don't know if it's considered a cult classic or not. I've seen it on a lot of horror lists and stuff, so... I figured I'd give it a give it a watch, see what's going on. Uh, it's about this kid who has a deformed conjoined twin, uh, and they cut him off, and <laughs> the conjoined twin lives, and he keeps him in a basket, and he kills people. Okay, it's awful, and uh, I watched. I also watched Basket Case Two and Basket Case Three: The Progeny. What? Now you can you can get this trilogy on Blu-ray. Oh yeah, it's uh in like a combo pack. So oh, that's what I'm talking about. I know I know that you're interested in that. I'm jumping right on it. <laughs> These movies are so bad, and it it plays out like so many typical. I don't know if a lot of monster movies do this, but I feel like a lot of movies do this, where there's a trilogy. Right, the first one is just the creature. The second one, the creature finds a wife, a female version. Then the third one, you have the kid. What? Okay. So, like, like yeah, Chucky that, did it, yeah, Frankenstein. That, it, it does happen a lot. But I gotta ask, how does a basket-bound Siamese twin, deformed, mind you, find a female version, and how do they reproduce? Well, well Kevin, I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> Uh, in the second one, the the guy, the, the brothers who are, the, they thought that they died, but turns out they didn't die. And this woman comes and rescues them and takes them to this weird, uh, like, plantation. 
I guess it's not really a plantation. It's in upstate New York or something. And um, she houses these mutant people. Mm. And when I say mutant people, I don't mean like, I don't know, like anything that even closely resembles a human. (laughs) Like, these are people that look so outlandish and ridiculous. It's laughable. And the second one is supposed to be more goofy. Like, the first one seemed like it was trying to be play it straight. Yeah. But the second one, and especially the third one, are just goofball, like, horror comedies. But they're not funny. It's just awful on every level. Awesome. A lot of gross-out stuff, you know. Like it sounds like. I also saw Bones Brigade, an autobiography. This is the Stacy Peralta documentary. Uh, about the Bones Brigade. Oh, like, they are milking this shit to death, aren't they? What, the Bones Brigade? It's just the whole, their entire lives. I mean, how many documentaries do we need? Well, this, well, Dogtown and Z-Boys was the group before them. Those are the, that's the group that really started the whole skateboarding phenomenon. And then Bones Brigade is... I mean, I don't know, maybe there are more documentaries, but I didn't know of any other ones. That's the team that had, like, Tony Hawk and Steve Caballero and Rodney Mullen and those guys. Rodney Mullen is the greatest. Yeah, he's, um, it's it's worth seeing just for him. That guy's, uh, like, on another level. Well, when you, have you ever heard him speak? Because, <laughs> uh, I think he is on another level. Nice. I, don't, I really don't know if there's if he has a, a medical problem or some sort of mental illness or what, or maybe that's just how he speaks, but it sounds like there's something not quite right with him, and I, I apologize if there's not, but at one instance, he'll be, like, extremely articulate. Like, he's he's a smart guy. Like, he's a really smart guy, but he just seems like he's way out there somewhere. Hmm. But um, it's it's really interesting. I love skateboarding. I love the whole skateboarding culture and everything about it. I love watching skate videos. And this is, um, I don't know if it would be considered our generation. Because by the time we would have been getting into skateboarding, these guys were kind of already pros at it. Like, they were yeah. professional. So it's maybe just barely our generation. For these guys, I mean, I remember these guys were huge. Yeah, when we were coming up. So, so if you're into skateboarding, I would say it's a must see. It's put together very nicely. Uh, the I feel like it ends kind of abruptly. Like the the thing about the documentary is that it's uh, made by Stacy Peralta, and this is Stacy Peralta's skate group. You know, he he created mm. the Bones Brigade. Yeah, so. They don't, I don't feel like they delve too deeply into the the problems of the group. And maybe, I mean, maybe there weren't any, but at the end, when they talk about the, the group breaking up, they just kind of mention that they moved on or whatever. Like, so, the, so they didn't really get into that. And I would, I would like to have found out more about the group's, uh, you know, yeah. disbandment or whatever. Like, a bit. Might have been better if it was made by like a nonpartisan, you know, like right, third party. Exactly. Yeah, but it, it would depend on who made it because I do like 
you know, Stacy Peralta did do Dogtown and Z Boys, and I do like his style and pretty much everything. I mean, this is like a passion project of his. Yeah. He's self he's self distributing it. You can rent it on iTunes right now, and um, it's just it's nice. It's it's like he's got a wealth of knowledge with this because he's been involved with it since the beginning. Yeah, and he's got like. So many like scrapbooks and videos and all kinds of stuff. So it's it's interesting. I also saw for a good time call. This is the comedy with um, you know I can't even remember the girls' names. It's uh, Ari Grainer and Lauren Miller, right? Yeah, yeah. It's terrible. Uh, but there's a bunch of other people in this. Justin Long's in it. Seth Rogen. Um, there's a cameo by uh, Seth Rogen's just a cameo. Uh, there's a cameo by, um, Kevin Smith, bunch of other people in it. It's, it's good. I mean, it's better than I thought it would be. It's very funny. It's very smart, very entertaining. It's kind of a light comedy. No real serious, uh, subject matter here. Just about two girls that start a phone sex line. And I recommend it. Mm. Okay. It says here that it was shot in 16 days. Yeah, I mean, it's a simple movie. Like, it's it's a very simple film. That's pretty much all I saw mm. other than uh, Rust and Bone and Holy Motors, which I guess we can talk about now. Uh, we can f- talk oh. about Rust and Bone first, I guess. Oh, okay. I guess we'll, we'll get into that first now. All right. Uh, I, I loved this movie. This will probably go in my top ten of the year. And uh, I, I don't really, you know, I can't really pinpoint why I like it so much. Visually, I think it's great. Yeah, I have to say the way that it's that it came on felt a lot like, um, you know, like a 60s or 70s experimental film. I loved the, at the beginning of the film, the little montage of him and his son with the music. Mm-hmm. I loved that, and from that moment, I was like, I'm going to like this movie a lot. And it was just fantastic, great performances all around. Um, I don't want to delve too deeply into this because we need to move on, but it's I highly recommend checking this out. This is the same director that did A Prophet. Yeah, and I have to do one thing that I want to say, or two things. Uh, one is Matthias Schoenart's, uh proves that he is a pretty damn good actor. Oh, yeah. A lot more depth than the character that he played in Bullhead. But it almost seems like it's like a natural transition from the character from Bullhead into this character. Oh, yeah. And he was absolutely amazing. I hope he doesn't get, like, typecast, you know? Yeah, I am worried about that. But then again, I could see him being a badass, like being like a Bond villain or something. Yeah, could be. Could be. He was awesome, and the 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 entire scene where Marion Cotillard goes back to the killer whale. Oh yeah, and does that? Oh my god, that whole scene was amazing. Yeah. Um. So, Rust and Bone, I highly recommend checking it out. It's uh sort of a sort of a love story, but it's very very depressing, very dark. Um. It's one of those movies where every time you think it can't get worse, it does. Yeah. But there is just enough hope. Oh, yeah. Just enough yeah. Yeah. that it doesn't, you know, beat you over the head with just its sadness. 
yeah, there's there's uh, there are a lot of uplifting scenes in it too, which which is nice. But um, that's playing now in limited release. I think you were going to have a review up for that, right? You yes. On that? The, yeah, the review by the time this comes out, it should be up because I'm like okay. halfway through it. <clears throat> cool. Um, the other movie that we're going to talk about briefly is Holy Motors. This is um, this is a very interesting film. This is a French film by uh, Leos Saras. Saras? Is that how you... I think so. Or Cracks. Cracks. I'm sorry. Leos Cracks. Very, very odd film um, about this... <laughs> it's sort of a day in the life. It's a day in the life of this guy who uh, seemingly goes from identity to identity, job to job, doing very strange things. To me, I, I sort of took it as, you know, if you look at Shakespeare and all the, all the world's a stage and we're just merely players, right? it seems like that was his job, yeah, just I mean, to I don't, fulfill certain things. Yeah, and I, I don't, I didn't really want to get into specifics about it because I don't, I don't know what, would be considered like spoiler territory with this movie if it's supposed to be kind of a secret about what he what he does and who he is and everything. But I don't know. I just feel like I should tiptoe around that. But it, it's um, very odd, very interesting, sort of a mesmerizing film. Yes, very much so. That's how I was because the whole time I'm like, why is he doing this? Right. What is he yeah. doing? What is the purpose? Cause yeah, cause like I saw the trailer for this movie and that was really all I had to go on. I didn't read too much about it, but as I was watching the film the whole time, I'm like, what is this? What is going on here? And, uh, I mean, you figure it out by the end and there's a lot of, there's a lot of pieces of this puzzle that don't seem to fit, but I would suggest if you don't know what's going on, the IMDB boards and stuff explain a lot. Yeah, there were a lot of re- there were a lot of references and things that I didn't pick up on. There is there are tons of references. You got oh yeah, breathless breathless reference, uh, the umbrellas of Cherenberg, uh, Rene Claire's experimental film, entrance. Uh, what else was there? Eyes without a face. Yeah, yeah, eyes without a face. There's there's uh, a ton there's of tons, ton, tons and tons of references. This is a Definite must-see for any uh, lovers of cinema, especially French cinema. Yes, without a uh, doubt. <clears throat> just, it's a great movie. I'd highly, highly recommend it. Uh, two things Two things for me. Number one is, I think, that the makeup in oh, this yeah. film, it, it has to win an award somewhere for makeup. It's just, without a doubt, the best makeup I've ever seen. And to Dennis Levant, who plays the main character, the Mansoor Oscar, he's got to get a nod somewhere for best actor. This guy was all over the map in this film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he essentially played, like, what, nine different roles? Yeah, and they were all, and all of them were, like, you know, would go from one end of the spectrum to the other end, and then in the middle, you know, he's playing young characters, old characters, old women. He's playing all sorts of things. Basically, it was like nine film climaxes. <laughs> yeah, you know, all at one, like the big apex 
was like it was over and over and over with that movie. I would not recommend it to someone who like Ryan, for instance. Like if you're just no, a casual Ryan would movie hate guy, this, but... yeah. If you're a casual movie guy or girl, don't don't bother with this one because it's pretty it's pretty heavy. Yeah, but if you're if you're a lover of cinema, then definitely check it out. You have to check yeah. it out. Uh, so there you have it. Uh, let's move on and talk about some Amazon Blu-ray deals. To get these incredible deals, just go to our site at filmpulse.net, click on the Amazon banner, shop as you would normally, or uh, click on the provided links in the show notes. <clears throat> first up, we have The Dark Knight, the the first The Dark Knight. This is ten forty nine on Blu-ray. That is a good deal. Yeah. And then we have Prometheus. I know you're going to be anxious for this one. $12. Yeah. $12 on Blu-ray. Yeah. This is the Blu-ray DVD digital copy combo pack. Holy shit. Trifecta. And then finally we have Pulp Fiction on Blu-ray. This is uh, $3.99. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, I guess. Uh, $3.99. I, well, I guess with the Tarantino box set, they're just like, let's get rid of these. Yeah, and uh, by the way, my review of the Tarantino box set is up on the site, and uh, it's it's a great set. And yeah, it looks great. Oh man, highly recommend checking that thing out. Tons. I mean, it's got 15 hours of bonus features. All right, let's just dive right into this review. This is. Oh, uh, I have I have one little bit of news just before oh, we okay. jump into it. Uh, okay, so Kajay to Cinema came out with their top 10 list of 2012. Now, this is a French film magazine. Now, we just talked about it. Number one on their list of 2012 is Holy Motors. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, number two, I sort of disagree here, Cosmopolis by Cronenberg. Now, this is where I think you're going to love it, me and you both. Number three is Twix by Francis Ford Coppola. (laughs) (laughs) This... This is another great one. Number four is 444, Last Day on Earth. Are you kidding me? (laughs) No. Well, it's actually tied. There's three tied for fourth place. It's that, uh, In Another Country by Hong Sang-soo, and Take Shelter by Jeff Nichols, which, you know, just, it came out in France this year. So, (laughs) I I like Take Shelter being there, but I'm very pissed off that it's tied with 444, Last Day on Earth. Because to me, it is leaps and bounds above oh my that God. damn movie. So far above that movie. I just can't believe that it's Cosmopolis, Twix, 444, Last Day on Earth. Oh, I want it's you to see two, Twix. three, and four. I really want you to see Twix now. Can I just watch the conversation again? <laughs> no. And act like that I was watching Twix? No, because that would do the conversation a huge disservice. <laughs> So yeah, I just I just wanted to share that with you real quick. Okay, is that that list is online? I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll put a link in the show notes if you want to check that out. All right, you ready to dive into some Life of Pi? Oh yeah, let's do it. Okay, so this week we're reviewing Life of Pi. This is directed by Ang Lee. It's written by David McGee and uh, Yan Martell, who wrote the original novel. The synopsis states, a young man who survives a disaster at sea is hurtled into an epic journey of adventure and discovery. While cast away, he forms an unexpected connection with another survivor, a fearsome Bengal tiger. 
Now you have your review up on the site mm-hmm. for this, so you you can read Kevin's uh, thoughts in greater detail on the site. I think because of that, um, we'll start with me. Uh, I was very surprised with this movie and how much I enjoyed it. The obvious thing is the visuals. Uh, it looked incredible. Oh, a good quick question. Did you see it in 3D? No, I didn't. Okay. Unfortunately, I tried, but the the showtime, like, I couldn't find a 3D showtime. Because mm. uh, with moving, I had to go real late last night. But anyway, uh, I was unable to see it in 3D, but even in 2D, it looked fantastic. So I think that we'll start by talking about just the, the movie from a visual standpoint. And I wanted to get your thoughts on... Because I think you you touch on it in the in the review in your review, and I, I agree with you to a certain extent that they really do uh, in certain scenes of the film they really push the CG like yeah they make it visually like completely over the top. But as I was watching it, because when, when we first saw the trailer, I was like, oh, that looks like everything is done in some kind of you know studio green screen thing. Yeah, But as I was watching the film, I thought to myself, well, maybe they're doing it like this because, first of all, this is a fantastical story. This is something that's almost like a fairy tale. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself makes it larger than life. And also, if we're just – if it was like – if they shot this thing on the ocean, it would be much – less visually appealing to look at and it would probably make the movie pretty boring considering the fact that most of it takes place on a small you know lifeboat small lifeboat with one guy and a tiger like i think that the visual elements really do add to make the movie more entertaining no well i do have to say that like you when i saw the trailer trailer i was like oh my god this is this is ridiculous. This sort of looks terrible. And I think I even stated that before in previous podcasts. And I have to say that I was um, pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. But there were moments where it seemed like Ang Lee was, you know, at like the saturated, like sugary level of the visuals was sort of at like a nine or 10. And then they would just crank it up a bit too much, but then they would always dial it back. So I wasn't completely taken out, but there were certain points where it just got to be a bit too much, but then they would bring it back and dial it down. So I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, I I agree with you 100%. Like, I thought uh, most of those scenes that I thought, okay, this is too much, were in the trailer. Like, Mm -hmm. almost, and and I was thinking, I actually thought about that while I was watching the movie. Like, this is why I had no desire to see this movie. Because all the scenes that were in the trailer, I wasn't a big fan of. Because in the trailer, they focus on all those really super crazy visual scenes that are really stylized. Mm-hmm. And it's not like that throughout <clears throat> the movie. I mean, there's large portions of the movie that don't use tons of CG and green screen. No, no. Yeah, definitely. And I was just so happy to not have to hear that fucking music again. Because I was really getting sick and tired of that trailer. Yeah. 
Yeah, did you notice that? I don't even think they played that music in the movie at all. So. I don't think so, and I was so happy. And now I'm getting to the same point with uh, The Hobbit. Oh. I'm getting so <laughs> sick and tired of that trailer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, um, this is another movie where I think I'm kind of... I think both of us have to kind of put our foot in our mouths because I I found it thoroughly in- enjoyable. And it, even though, I mean, essentially it's a movie about... Um, God and your belief in God and finding God. But whether or not you take anything away from the film in that regard, it's still a very touching movie. Yeah, and I think it's one of those movies that it depends on what kind of outlook you have. Because as soon as he, you know, he's talking to the writer and everything, and as soon as they bring up the fact that I'm going to tell you a story that's going to make you believe in God... I essentially just sat there going, oh, God, give me a break. <laughs> like, I knew it was about religion and everything, but I was just so worried that it was going to be completely heavy-handed. And I yeah. have to say that Ang Lee did a great job of not making it. Now, I don't know if Yen Martel does the same thing in the book, and I imagine that he does. I think he does, yeah. So I, I would imagine credit goes to both of them. Yeah, I I I think I think so. I've I've listened to um I've read some other reviews and listened to some podcasts where people uh are talking about that have read the book and they said it's it's very similar as far as the um religious um connections and things like that. I mean, it's not it's not like you're watching Fireproof or Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where it's just movies. ridiculous. It it doesn't it doesn't try to force a religion on you and and in fact i thought that it was uh kind of interesting that the main character of pi was exploring all these different religions and kind of cherry picking what he thought were the best parts of each religion yeah because at the end it does come off as sort of like a uh unitarian outlook yeah, ex- exactly of like, a religion where you you gather bits and pieces from all the religions and you know, just look for purpose in life. Yeah, and it's a, and it's like you know, you you focus on the positive and the story in general. Uh, I was surprised at the attachment that I found with the tiger. Like, I'm not I'm not that into tigers. I'm not a tiger guy, but uh, I I thought the tiger was awesome and the CG. For the most part, there were a lot of parts in that movie where I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, was like, I have to Wait, say, it was really, really well done. Like, because I know that they had, there were, there were several scenes where I was like, that has to be a real tiger. It has to be. But then, like, there were certain scenes where you, you could obviously tell that it was CG. And it was the scenes where I couldn't tell that really stuck out to me where I was just like, this is great looking. Yeah. Now the only problem that I had, which I did touch upon in my review is some of the scenes became a bit repetitive and they dragged a little bit with the tiger, just running around lunging at pie and just growling. Like for some reason, I just like, I'm looking back on it and it feels like that was like an hour's worth of the movie. It was just I, this tiger I, running around growling. Yeah, I definitely feel like they could have knocked 20 minutes at least off of this movie. It's like, and, we did it. It's a, we, it's a tiger. We know how right. difficult that's going to be. 
And I mean, like, there's there's a a section of the film where it's a montage of him where he's, you know, building his raft and working with the tiger and doing all this stuff. Like, I feel like they probably could have just put some of those scenes with the tiger kind of going after him. Yeah. I feel like they could have put that in the montage. But that, I mean, it, it didn't bother me. I definitely felt at one point like, okay, this is... All right, this might be going on a little bit too long, but I think right when I started feeling the fatigue of it was when they found the um, island. Yeah, and that was another part that made me go like, oh, come on. Uh, That didn't bother me because I thought that the island looked amazing. The island did look amazing. Like, I want to go to that. I want to go to that island. It's just a bit ridiculous. And come on, dude. Meerkats are... Meerkats adorable. are yeah, meerkats are amazing. That the the scene where it was nighttime and, and the sh- ones like falling asleep. Yes, yes. I was just like, oh, okay, <laughs> there goes my heart. It just melted. I want all meerkats. I just <laughs> want a house full of meerkats. That's what oh, I want. Man. That's how I felt at the beginning of the movie when they're doing you know they're showing all the zoo animals. Yeah, and my favorite animal in the world is a sloth. And when they mm. showed the sloth, I was just like, yeah, I'm on, I'm on board. Let's do this. Well, see, I, I wasn't entirely because I knew all those animals were going to be killed. I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen to all those animals. I have a, I like to think in my head that they just sort of forgot about the sloth. And he's still like on a tree <laughs> somewhere like, Where you, where's everyone at? <laughs> and no one notices. Yeah, no <laughs> one knows. He's still hanging out. Uh, now, the only other thing that I didn't mention in the review that I absolutely hated in this film uh, is another, like, small, small to most people, t- but to me a big quibble, is the use of where they would have, like, the face and then change the background, like, change it to the next scene, but the yeah. face is still there, and then it sort of, like, fades out. I just, to me, that seems so amateur, or very amateurish it's just t- it looks awful it just looks awful yeah I don't, and i, I don't couldn't know stand what... it every single time he did it i'm like oh angley what are you doing i don't know what that technique's called i don't know if it's called a wipe i don't know but uh i, I know exactly uh, what you're talking about yeah you know it'd be like the older pie talking to the writer and it would just be his big face and then the background would cut to you know right. pie on the lifeboat with the tiger but his face would still be there for like a second or two and then it would there, sort of fade away. It's like, come was, on. They did that uh, once in the movie that I thought was cool where it was one of the characters and then the background turned into the map. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I thought that that was cool, but they kept doing it. Yeah. They just, they, they just kept, kept doing it over and over again. It's like, Oh, stop, stop. Just stop it, please. Uh, it's, it's just a much different film than the trailer makes it out to be like, I just can't get over how different it is. Yeah. Uh, the only other problem I had with it was the story, other story at the end, you know, where he tells like the realistic story with the cook and the mother and everything. And he asked the writer, which, which story do you, do you prefer? And I'm thinking, well, of course you're going to prefer the tiger because that one you took time and you were just like a beautiful storyteller. I mean, it was like, it went on for like an hour 
the realistic story, you just ran through that shit in like 10 minutes. Yeah. It's like, of course we're going to like the tiger one. Well, I think we would like the tiger one regardless. I, I'd, I'd watch the other one too. They just put a little more thought into it. It sounds like a compelling story too. Uh, yeah, I mean, it sounds okay. And now the only other thing that I had a problem with that is, and this might be a spoiler, when he's telling the, the realistic story and the animals all represent one of the characters, uh, Pi being the tiger, and how he said that the cook ate the rat. But in the animal story, the tiger ate the rat. Yep. So Pi ate the rat. Yep. And that's, yeah. That sounds like some sort of paradox. Yeah, it gets it gets me a little bit because the tiger's living with Pi, so it's supposed to be, I mean I mean I would imagine that you're trying to uh, like work through like the duality of man if he's you know if he's the, he represents the tiger and plus he's there himself so it's like the nastiness evil side of him and then like you know the good natured all that stuff and then you get into all that and I don't like it as much. Yeah. Which one do you think? Which one do you think is real? Uh, neither. <laughs> you think he just neither? I think he just made the shit up. It just to me, he sounds like a fantastic storyteller. I mean, when you can't get the stuff right from one story to the other, I'm sorry. I got to doubt both of them, buddy. Well, I I think one of them is right, but at the same time, you got to think. Uh, first of all, he's been stuck out on a lifeboat for 200 days yeah so his mind is probably not what it uh you know the sharpest at that point plus this happened how many years ago yeah and we all know how stories just grow and grow and grow i mean if you think about it in all actuality he might have just been out there for like 14 days with like a cat, <laughs> and that was it. It's just oh. him, him and a damn cat, just hanging out for fourteen days, and then he gets picked up by a cruise ship. I'm gonna say uh, one of those stories is real, but um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with the cat on a cruise ship one. There you go, cat on a cruise ship, <laughs> cat on the carnival cruise. Uh, all right, so you gave Life of Pi seven seven out of ten. I'm going to go with a seven and a half out of 10 on that. Seven and a half. Okay. I would agree with that. I would yeah, I just, uh, I, there was just a lot of nitpicks and there was a couple, wasn't a, but there was still overall an enjoyable movie. Yeah. It, it was a feel to me. It was a feel good movie and I have a really hard time other than movies that are like overly sentimental, like, Extremely yeah. loud, incredibly close. While that may be considered a feel-good movie, I was not buying it. And I thought that that's how it was going to be with Life of Pi. Like, I didn't think I was going to buy it, but yeah. I did. I was, that was my main concern going into it, though. That it would be overly sentimental and just be like a fucking schmaltz fest. Where I'm just like, oh my god, just dial it back a little bit. Yeah. But it wasn't. And this... This uh, has kind of reaffirmed Ang Lee, I think. I think it's a start. I mean, I was looking back through his like filmography, and I'm like, shit, how, why was he even considered a good director? 
Crouching Tiger. Yeah, but that's it. (laughs) I mean, usually you have to string like one, two, three movies, maybe, to be considered. Well, I mean, Brokeback Mountain was pretty huge when that came out, too. Yeah, but in between that was Hulk. (laughs) Yeah, well. And then he did Taking Woodstock. Which uh, still blows my mind that that happened. To me, that seems... That seems like that was like a favor or he was doing something for a studio in return for something else. Maybe money for life would buy or something. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. So, All right. Well, Life of Pi is in theaters now. I would suggest going to see it in 3D, even though I didn't, because I heard the 3D was amazing. I know. And I oh. really wish that I wasn't one of those people that get physically ill watching 3d because I, I, I do think that it looks um, that it would look amazing th- that actually um made me think of something did you notice in the film how the aspect ratio changed in mm-hmm. certain scenes the flying fish scene especially mm-hmm. i thought that that was awesome like when i was watching it i was like what's different and then i was like holy shit the fish are going into the black bars on the screen mm-hmm. yeah. i was like the, it was just uh, that little touch. I just, for some reason, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I'm definitely, like you said, I'm definitely, uh, I want to see what Ang Lee does next. I really hope he follows this up with another solid film and yeah, doesn't I mean, go into like, you know, like a studio, you know, something like the Hulk or uh, hope he, he does something see. else good. The thing about him, though, is, is he definitely seems like a Hollywood director. Like, when you look at his filmography, he's all over the place. Yeah, and I mean, so, Life of Pi, for the most part, is a Hollywood movie. Oh, I mean, yeah. this is Oscar bait, if I've ever seen one. Oh, yeah. But I'd rather he do stuff like this than Hulk or <laughs> taking Woodstock. Yeah. Taking Woodstock. By Ang Lee. <laughs> can't get over it. I, I, I do. It just seems like a joke to me. Dimitri Martin working with Ang Lee. Yeah. That seems completely made up. It just doesn't fit. I don't get it. All right. There you have it. Uh, that's two solid recommendations for Life of Pi. Go see it. You will not be disappointed. I don't, I don't think you'll be disappointed. I don't think either, depending on your religious views. I, I would be. I would really, because all of the reviews and all of the things that I've listened to, almost everybody was like, well, I'm an atheist, so, you know, I couldn't really. And one of these reviews I want to read where it's somebody that's, like, devout of some whatever religion, just to hear what they have to say about it. Well, that's always the problem with atheists. You have open-minded atheists and then closed-minded atheists. That any time that... God's brought up, they're just like, give me a point. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, none none of the things that I've listened to or read were like that at all. I mean, well, that's good. it seems like this is a pretty well-liked movie across the board, regardless of the religious connotations. And it's just because they're not hammering some sort of... Um, they're not hammering something into your head where, like, this is what you should believe in. They they leave it open, which I really like. Yeah. So, 
Okay, let's move on and talk about our predictions. We have Red Dawn, you said 20, I said 32, actual 11 on Red Dawn. Yes. Yes, thank you, America. Yeah, I heard that it's, like, absolutely awful in every sense. Good. And we have Rise of the Guardians. You said 78, I said 80, actual 74. Mm. Uh, yeah, that didn't turn out too good. Wow. Um, we have Life of Pi. You said 86, I said 90, actual 87 on Life nice. of Pi. Tearing it up. Yeah, you're, um, you're making a comeback here in the scores. And then finally we have Hitchcock. Uh, you said 73, I said 70, actual 63 on Hitchcock. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I, I had a feeling. I think both of us said last week we, we think that that's going to get mixed reviews. Yeah. Uh, it's one of those things where you're dealing with someone that's so loved universally. Like, have you ever met someone that's like, I hate Hitchcock's movies? Never. No. Never. So you know it's going to get mixed reviews. Yeah, I mean, I like I said before, I said it last week, I just don't think I'm going to be able to get over Anthony Hopkins doing Hitchcock, like in that makeup. Yeah. It looks so bad to me. It's like putting old man makeup on an old man. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, okay. Anyway, that's actually playing in limited release right now. I'm not sure when that's getting a wide release. I'm getting it soon. Which yeah. brings me to another thing. Penn Cinema was supposed to get Silver Linings Playbook. Like it was on their website, and now it's gone. So I don't know if I'm getting that anymore. Yeah, I think... Uh, the sort of bummed out. Well, I don't even know. I have no idea what's going on with the theaters over here in my new area. Because I'm hearing like so much, so many good things about this damn movie. I know. I want to see it. I, I do. I like. I'm okay with seeing it at home. You know, yeah. Or whenever it comes out on iTunes or something, but yeah, I do want to check it out. Just bummed out. Uh, okay, next week got a got a nice week next week, at least for me. Um, we have Killing Them Softly. Oh my god, yes. Now I'm assuming we're gonna review that for the site. You're damn right. I hope I get it. I hope I get it. It says that we're getting it, but like I said before, with this Silver Lines playbook, who the hell knows? It's it's hitting wide, so you should be able to, you should be getting that. What do you think on um, Killing Them Softly? This movie looks amazing to me. And I want to say like an eighty nine. I'm gonna say uh, eighty seven on that. Mm, but it, okay. it looks it looks awesome. I cannot wait to see that. Very then we excited. have then we have one that I'm actually excited for that I'm sure you have no interest in, but it's called The Collection. And it's a sequel to a horror movie that came out, I think, maybe two or three years ago called The Collector. Yeah, I've, um, heard, I've read a little bit about this movie. This is a really interesting... I, I don't know why. Because uh, the first one, it wasn't great. It, like, it didn't get great reviews by critics, but I really enjoyed it. Like I saw it in the theater, and then I, I then later saw it on Blu-ray. I just really liked the movie. And probably because it has to do with traps and setting up traps in house. Now, is the collector that you talked about from a couple of years ago that this is a rem- or a sequel to? Is this a remake of the the sixties movie, The Collector, with Terrence Stamp? Uh, no, 
No, this I don't think so. Okay. Because in the 61, uh, a man kidnaps a woman and holds her hostage just for the fun of it. No, this this one, I mean, I guess it's similar to that, but it, it's really weird. Like, he he collects, um, like, body parts that okay. he likes. And so it's really weird. Um, but I do recommend checking out the first one. I don't know how this one is going to be, but it has the same... Uh, actor in it from the first one that was like the main character of the first film yeah and i liked him a lot so i was glad that they were able to bring him back so i'm gonna say actually right now in rotten tomatoes it has a hundred percent damn <laughs> which i know is gonna drop yeah a lot so i'm gonna say like 42 let's say 60 oh wow it's 60 now and now i want to watch the 60s the collector it's like a butterfly collector who expands it into collecting human species. There you go. Check that shit. Why not? We have Silent Night. This is the... I don't I don't think this is a remake of the movie we're having Ryan watch next week, but it's called Silent Night. It's a horror movie about uh, some guy that dresses up like Santa Claus and kills people. Hmm. So and he uses, l- and he uses a, a loose f- remake. He he loses a or uses a flamethrower, which why wouldn't you? <laughs> awesome. What do you think on Silent Night? I don't even know if that's getting wide release, but uh, I'm gonna go like a thirty. And I I think uh, Malcolm McDowell's in it, and he is. Um, uh, who's the girl? Is it? I think it's Jamie King. Jamie King, yeah. I'm gonna go twenty on that one. <laughs> Uh, also, in limited release, we have Dragon and Universal Soldier, <laughs> the new Universal Soldier movie. Uh, I don't recommend seeing Universal Soldier. I think that that's actually coming out on... I think both of those are on on-demand right now, or mm-hmm. are going to be. Yeah, I think Dragon you can actually watch on yeah. Amazon right now. I do want to see Dragon. I'm a big uh, Donnie Yen fan, and I saw the trailer for it, and it looks awesome, so... I might be checking that one out this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's go over some DVD and Blu-ray releases. This is... Um, is it better than last week? Yes. <laughs> this is better than last week. We have actually... Pretty- <laughs> Where we had a total of one. One. Yeah. Plus one Big Tit Zombie. So. That's right. Is Ryan watching Big Tit Zombie anytime soon? Uh, not yet, but I, okay. I do, I do have will. it. I do have it on deck, so... Ooh, I do see one right off the bat that I can't wait to get. Uh, is it The Apparition? No, it is not <laughs> the that, that comes out next week. Yeah, that looks terrible. So we have The Apparition. Um, obviously, we're not recommending that. Paranorman, I do That's recommend the one. that. That's the one I want to see. Yeah, that one I do recommend. That's, we gave that a 7.5 out of 10 on the site. Um it's really, really good. I mean, if you liked Coraline or any of those other stop motion pictures, I would highly recommend Paranorman. Uh, Lawless, we gave this a six and a half out of ten on the site. Also, Lawless. also recommend Lawless. Almost forgot about that movie. Yeah, slightly. Uh, and then we have Step Up Revolution. <laughs> Probably gonna say skip that. Uh, yeah, skip it. Well, the best thing about that is uh, my girlfriend. Like her, her guilty pleasure is dance movies, you know. Like mine is horror movies. Yours is what? 
<laughs> French New Wave. <laughs> Is that your guilty pleasure? I don't know that if no, would that be considered a guilty pleasure. I have no idea what my guilty pleasure would be. I don't be. know. For some people, maybe. <laughs> maybe I don't know. Um. Anyway, she she saw Step Up Revolution, and and even though she finds these dance movies to be entertaining, she did not like it. So. I would definitely steer clear of that one. Then we have Men in Black 3. Gave this a 6.5 out of 10 on the site. Um, you know, I didn't mind Men in Black 3. It was a lot better than I thought it would be. It was funny, entertaining. Might give it a rent. I mean, uh, I, don't, I don't mind the other Men in Blacks. I don't know if I'm actually going to watch this one. Maybe. I don't know. I did not like 2. And I think if you went back and rewatched 2, you'd be like, ugh. Yeah, t- no, I do remember two not being that great. It's painful, like nowadays, because like it's it has really like, Johnny Knoxville, and it's just oh, so yeah, that's goofy. Right. And I mean, I I'm okay with Johnny Knoxville, but back then it was just I don't know. Uh, and then finally, we have Sparkle. Uh, Sparkle. <laughs> yeah, that's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> I like that. That's all we do. We just <laughs> sparkle. And finally, we have Sparkle. And we're done. Uh, do you have any releases coming out? Uh, one that I've been wanting to see for a while is uh, a movie called Burning Man with Matthew Good. Um, is this like this, a Wicker Man? No. This is, I think it's about a guy that's like, his life is sort of falling apart. He's a restaurant owner and he has he has troubles with his uh, his anger. That's where the Burning Man comes from. It's out on IFC Films. I've been wanting to see this for a while. And I'm glad it's finally out. So hopefully I finally get to see it. And then I was seeing if there's any Criterions, but it looks like there are none. Hmm. There are no Criterions coming out. They're taking a little break until uh, December, it looks like. How about that? Maybe, yeah. they're, maybe they're like stocking up for Christmas or something. They're doing something. They're doing something. But they did announce, uh, they announced uh, On the Waterfront, the Marlon Brando movie. Yeah, yeah. And The Kid with the Bike, which we reviewed. Yeah, I remember and that. And it was, meh, the Dardine Brothers. Mm-hmm. Well, that's coming out on Criterion sometime. Same with Pina. Which one? Pina. The dance documentary? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. That was so, a fun one. So when that gets released, I think we should have Ryan watch it. Because <laughs> I just want to see what Ryan has to say. I, I, I can almost Pina. guarantee you he, he probably won't even finish it. He'll watch like five no, minutes of it. I, like, will, I will go down and watch it with him. There you go. force him to finish it. There you go. That's what you got to do. I'll burn him with cigarettes if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. Uh, for all the latest film news and reviews, visit us at filmpulse.net. We want to hear your feedback. Send us an email at feedbackfilmpulse.net or call our voicemail line at 850-391-6071. Also, please take a minute to rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that very much. For filmpulse.net, my name is Adam. And I'm Kevin. And we will see you on Wednesday for Ryan Watches a Movie. We have him watch Silent Night, Deadly Night.
There's so much on that right now. Stop! Get over here! What are you doing? God damn it! Stop it! Get so pissed! Alright. <laughs> that should just be the opening for the show. <laughs> I might put that in the outtakes. Alright.